in this fast changing world we have to provide people with the tool set to discuss that, to be part of that and not to be overwhelmed with it but be part of it because if you are part of it you can help to change it or you can create it you can create that future by being part of it that's my thing that's where i'm working on that's my quest if you will this is paul Apping, and welcome to chapters of my life podcast i want you to imagine your past life <laughs> right where should i start Imagine you need to write your life story in form of a book already. It's a challenge, right? It's, it's, uh, frankly, it's not everyone has thought of this. As we always think, when we get older, we should write about our life. Right? But in fact, we have so many experiences ready to share to others. Achievements, failures to learn from, positive and negative life transitions. And if everyone asks, what is actually this chapters of my life podcast it's these kind of stories it's an inspiring collection of life transitions packed into a podcast audiobook format capturing the willpower and belief of people during these important life-changing decisions so we interview innovators athletes entrepreneurs change makers to give an insight into their past life from young age till today maybe future untold plans We're covering topics around sport, entrepreneurship, mindfulness, travel, nutrition, yoga, meditation, and much more. Everything which leads to the present, till today. Interviewed by me, Daniel Ludwig, and you can find me on social media at ByDanielLudwig. Making the world better to understand exponential technologies and how to use it in a reasonable and conscious way is Paul's quest for everyone on this planet. I had Paul Abbott, chapter lead of Singularity University, on my podcast. It's fascinating to listen to his life story, from a nearly death experience in his teens over trying to understand human beings' potential, and its limits in the age of exponential technology is all about this podcast. As he emphasizes, disrupt what you want to disrupt, resistance is change. His chapters are a summary of his mindset. Paul chose three chapters in his Chapters of My Life podcast book called Will I Be You? Chapter one called Self-Confidence, which Paul describes as pushing the envelope to its limits. Part of this was his near-death experience in water sport, to be precise at windsurfing in his young age. His repeatedly search for discovering the physical limits of the body is having an increased interest in various of sports created the path for his later work. Not in sport, but in finding the technology age to learn how to teach yourself to adapt by being conscious on yourself. During his work as Nuo's lecturer, his powerlessness of helping people with psychological disorder characterized him for his later work in healthcare. Chapter two called Apply where Paul highlights his work in the 90s and early 2000s in understanding how technology can be applied for solving social problems and their interconnected approaches towards healthcare. Machines are biased by what they learn. The big question, what Paul asks himself frequently is, where does these machines learn from? Paul thinks holistically. The architecture of his life is holism. Rediscover is about chapter three and it's about his current work among others 
as global traveler, a consultant on exp exponential technology, but also about Singularity University, where he is chapter lead in Dubai. In his next chapter of his life called Awareness, he emphasizes on raising questions of fragmentation or exponential growth, but also on ethical science, while empowering youth to become scientists and changemakers of tomorrow. All right, AI, biotech, exponential technology, truly a technology-driven podcast talk. I would say, let's start. Let's do it. Let's start the talk. Enjoy. So here we are. Thank you, Paul, yes. for taking the time. You're very welcome. <laughs> I like to, uh, to talk about stuff, you know, you know. And, uh, well, if you have questions, whatever, you know, don't be uh, limited and just yes. go on. Definitely. So I gave you, so basically you just came, um, it's, a, it's a bank holiday here right mm -hmm. now in Dubai. And um, thank you so much for coming over to my studio. And we had a quick discussion beforehand mm -hmm. um, about exponential ideas and all this. And we're going to talk about this way more in details. And as the listener her, this is this kind of format of the podcast is about looking deep into the person. Mm -hmm. So what the life transitions, <clears throat> mm -hmm. the past life, what that led to the person who is believing in in, 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 in certain areas today. And I want to start with something which I found very interesting. And I know you for almost one year now, since that conference in Dubai 2017, mm -hmm. a bit more than one year, and I came across something online. And, and that, what I found, is something which I, I kept thinking about the last few weeks, actually. It's related to a visit um, in 2017, where you went to the GMS Wellington Academy. And you said once, what a morning witnessing the power of creativity from young people, the real future of technology. And you spoke with students aged 10 to 16 years, were presenting their results of ideas to the Global Innovation Challenge. Since knowing you for one year, one thing I can't forget is your interest in supporting young people coming up with ideas which seem to be impossible, but giving them the opportunity to think big. Hmm. How important is this for you? This work with students, with young minds? Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, question. Well, um, to answer that, to approach that best, I, I would like to start with a, with a quote from Einstein. <clears throat> I, I, I love Einstein, not, not only because of all his inventions, but he was a deep, deep philosopher. Mm -hmm. And what he said, well, the difference between an expert and a crazy guy or a fool is the fact that an expert is limited. So if you, if you are working with children, children are unlimited. Children don't don't care if their idea is good or not good because they don't have yet the perspectives yeah. or they don't have yet the context of 
something. They don't know yet if it will work or it will, if it will not work. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting to listen to to how they make unexpected unexpected connections yeah. in what they see around, in what they know, and um, and that actually is born in a phase, a very important phase in your life, and that is the why phase. You are asking all kind of why questions to your parents. My children did did the same. They were always asking why, why, why. And for many why questions, I didn't have answers, simply. Because it was so, well, in many, in many cases, so obvious, and in other cases, I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, and often we don't know the answer anyway. It's sometimes, no, you know, sometimes it's you really don't know, you have to find that. Yeah. Um, so now here we are back to those children who I met here in, in the UAE, and they, they got just a, simple, just a simple question, find a solution for one of the grand challenges in the world. Yeah. And the grand challenges are poverty, um, clean water, energy, um, and health and education. Uh, so they, and, and, and I specifically mentioned this, and disasters. You know, so what are you doing with disasters? So um, those children only got, and that is also on top of that, only got 10 weeks, 10 weeks to f figure out what a solution can be. Yes. And one of the requirements is that they have to use exponential technologies to find those solutions, right? So, and here I am, asked uh, to be a judge, asked to do a presentation um, at this big school. And I said, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. And um, so I did that presentation and I was invited to go around all those uh, booths that the, um, the, 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 the students designed and to show their products, to show their solutions, to show their mock-ups, you name it, you know. And, and I, I, I was simply struck by the creativity, but also the depth in how they, find, how they found solutions. So here's an example. So I, I entered that school in the morning and it, it, it was just a vibrant environment of children designing their booth. Mm -hmm. Because they had, to sell, they, had to, they had to sell their idea. Because the best, or the couple of best solutions um, get a prize. And the prize is to go to, set to uh, San Francisco to the World Summit Singularity University. So the children really wanted to win that prize. And um, so when we entered the room together with my wife, I said, what's going on here? I did not expect it at all. And so I need a cup of coffee. So I, I, I went to the coffee counter and we bought coffee and, and literally I had my coffee in my hand and a little guy dragged me into his booth. And mm -hmm. he said, sir, you have to see this. <laughs> okay, um, tell, me, yeah, yeah. tell me the story. Yeah. And um, he said, well, we found a, we developed a solution, and we call it LOCOM. I said, LOCOM? Yes, that is a low-cost communication device for disaster areas. Mm -hmm. I said, wow, that's interesting. And uh, so show me. And so he introduced us to his team, and 
they literally had a device, developed a device, um, and he started to talk about the device. And he said, well, in that device, we build chips, and those chips are able, or this device is able, to communicate um, over 25 kilometers. And so, including, we can send data as well, mm -hmm. over 25 kilometers. I said, all right, okay. Um, and then, I, I said, well, what is so, so different than a walkie-talkie? He said, well, and he looked at me as, well, <laughs> are you stupid or what? And he said, no, this is also data transmission and the next uh, device is the next up for the next one and until we reach the internet and then we close the loop and then then we can yeah, do yeah, stuff, you know. Yeah. And then that, that's where we are then. Yeah. And interestingly, um, a year prior, I did a presentation for the Red Cross in Geneva and this was one of the biggest problems that they face. In disaster areas, they cannot communicate. The, 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 the infrastructure is damaged, so they, they simply cannot communicate. So and he, these guys come up with an idea how to do that. And, uh, and I said to him, well, who are you? Well, and what is your role in the team? And he said, I'm 11 years old and I'm the marketing director. So well, yeah, <laughs> that is what I figured out. But, yeah. <laughs> and his teammates, the one was a programmer, so he reprogrammed the chips in that device, mm -hmm. <clears throat> 13 years old, and they had a business developer, was 13 years old, and they had someone else was also 13 years old. And so they had a whole story around it, and now you can do that. So, and I said, well, okay, great. I, I really like it, so I will vote on you. But I had 150 more to go. Yeah. And so I left their booth, and he came really, he came after me and he said, Sir, I forgot to tell you something. I said, and what is that? Well, we did it all in 3D printing. <laughs> I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and here you are, yeah, traveling around the world, seeing a lot of things around you. Mm. And here are little chit, uh, yeah. kids trying to find a solution for really, really big problems. And their thinking is unlimited. So they, they build a thing as if it is uh, fun to do, you know. Yeah. And because it is fun to do, they find creative solutions. And not that it is yeah. working, and not that it is whatever doing. My point here is, and that is why I find it so interesting, those people are the creators of the future jobs, because they are creating their own job. Yeah. If, they are, if they are focusing on problems to solve, they will find solutions, and they are creating maybe new new things that 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 that, that we can create jobs around. Yeah, that is why I think it's so interesting. I think, especially when it comes to young people, um, I used to work a lot with young people when I not back on the times where I was filmmaking, and I love <coughs> working with people who, especially in filmmaking, when it comes to storytelling. Yeah. Imagination. Yeah, it's similar to like entrepreneurship is beyond borders, yeah. and what most struck me is with working with young people is about that belief in themselves that yes, I can do that. Yes, of course, it might be not mature enough and you don't know the consequences mm. and so on, but we adults might know more, but they still believe in themselves. Yeah. And regardless of how crazy that idea is, they still believe in it. And I think this is something where the adults can learn from. Because sometimes we are preventing ourselves from even starting 
based on our experiences mm -hmm. or assumptions. And I think this is what I really like with working with, uh, with kids. And I think that's also what you mentioned right now is like, this story. Another story was so online about this. If you remember maybe that one uh, student mentioned about the teleporting to other planets. Mm -hmm. And you, you ask him the question of, so yeah, so what happened then? How can we return? You know, this easy, this simple questions, it's like coaching. You let them think of the answer and then mm -hmm. come up with a solution. Mm. And I think this is also a skill when yeah. we work with young people, or give them <coughs> these um, opportunities yeah. to give them guidance, but not necessarily giving them a, the path ahead. They have to find their own yeah. path, yeah. but guidance on the way. Yeah, and I think that is exactly what 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 is missing in uh, I think in education, even in higher education, yeah. <coughs> is all very structured, and you have to do what whatever is uh, telling or what governments or regula regulators are telling you that you have to learn, you know, and yeah. that, that completely limits people's thinking. Yeah. And um, the focus is more on getting a certificate than on establishing something or creating something. Mm. So, <clears throat> back to what you said, well, now, it is also part of my life that I, that I learned what is really important, and that is asking questions. And the, the, the why phase of the children, ask questions. And, um, and there is an interesting book written about it, it's The Art of Questions. And, or The Art of Why, I don't know exactly. But um, it, is, it is, the questions are more important than the answers. Because if you, if you ask the right questions, the answer will follow. And um, like these, the, the teleporting mm. is, well, okay, how do you get back? Yeah. And, um, you know, then you have to think about something different. And questions bring you to, if, if it are really good questions, bring you to a different dimension or <clears throat> to another dimension. <clears throat> my wife is very good in that. If we are working on certain projects and I send her my stuff, then she is really good in criticizing it in a positive way. Constructive way. Yeah, and, and things that I, you know, I'm biased, and everybody is biased, and especially I'm bi biased by all the technology, and I try to, uh, to, to put everything in that perspective, you know, because I think the world is changing by technology, so, and I will change by technology, so, um, but it is bias, and she immediately punches holes in it, and yeah. so I have to redo my work, basically, and that's good, and that, 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 keeps your mind fresh and that that also reminds me of the fact that um, a big problem that we have as human beings is our bias and we don't know our bias so you have other people you mm -hmm. need other people to tell you about your bias and that yeah. and that brings me to a completely different topic that I'm puzzling with that I'm thinking a lot about is about artificial intelligence. I think artificial intelligence and biotech will change the world dramatically, but that's maybe for later. But for now, artificial intelligence, so it's, it's basically is a, it's, it's a part of computer science or data science, if you will. Then inside that, you have the bucket in computer science is, is AI, and in AI, you have the bucket 
machine learning and in machine learning you have deep learning. Mm -hmm. So there's a kind of, and people mix that all, all the time up, you know, and, and talking about an AI. Well, there is no an AI, there is AI. Um, and um, But you have solutions with but AI. But that also comes down to notice to the passwords. Yes, so the virtual yeah, reality, yeah, artificial yeah. intelligence, etc., etc. What are these passwords actually about? Yeah. Nowadays, we're playing around with all these passwords when we don't even know what right. it means. So now here we are in the deep learning, yeah. and uh, or in machine learning, that, that machines are able to teach themselves, right? And here is my point, is in those algorithms, is bias in those algorithms. So are the machines that are learning themselves biased in what they are learning? Um, and if they are not biased, how can we measure that? How can we see that it is not biased? Mm -hmm. that how is can you measure something which is not existing, actually? That's another question know. as well. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But that is what I'm thinking about a lot. And to what kind of things do we expose machines that are learning? And what is that environment? And I can, I can really understand that in a very narrow intelligence areas like chess playing or go playing or poker playing or whatever, you know. That is a narrow area where I can understand that the bias there is within that area. But once we are talking about yeah. artificial general intelligence, so that means that it, that it is kind of how we human beings are thinking uh, and, and, and come to, to problem-solving. Yeah. Machines, on that level, how, how does that work? And, and, and is that biased or not biased? And in our problem-solving as human beings, we are biased. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really puzzling with that part. How, how are we going about with that? And there is a whole world behind it uh, that frightens people in thinking like artificial intelligence, general intelligence is taking over what we are doing is um, what Kurzweil say is, uh, said is the singularity. That will be the moment of singularity. Mm. So well, when artificial will surpass our human, let's say, creativity, thinking, you name it, you know. Yeah. I think this, is, this not knowing, this unknown, what might happen in the future is the most scary spot, for, especially for people who don't know the context behind when it comes to artificial intelligence, etc. Um, Paul, I want to go back a little bit. Um, and I love talking about uh, this topic, Singularity University and exponential um, <clears throat> ideas. And I also met, like, um, I don't know if I mentioned to you, the, you know, the International Government Communication Forum two months ago, in 2018, in Sharjah, um, Jason Silver. And when he talked yeah. about this actually very complex topic in a very easy to understand uh, yeah. way, it makes that topic more transparent yeah. for everyone to understand and also to see the potential, the positive potential in this. So I want to dig deeper a little bit and go back to the past. And, and I mentioned that in the intro, what you're currently working on with Singularity University and uh, Philips. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm really interested in the story behind. And that podcast is all about the chapters of your life. 
I mean, I say chapters of my life, it's about literally like your life book. So when mm. you open your book, what can I see in there? Yeah. And I usually ask this first and I'm always keen to know what is the answer. So when I look for your book, for your life book, in a library, which section would I find it? Where would I, where would I ask for, okay, I'm looking for this life book from Paul, I think. What section should I look for? Is it under technology, artificial intelligence, no, under no, audiobiography? No. Not at all. It is, um, <laughs> it is a, uh, my, my, my career is a funny path. And um, so I started, so first, what, what formed me in my life is my fascination of, in, in sport. I was always sporty guy. I did always sport and... and what kind of sport? Well, <clears throat> that's also an interesting thing. A <laughs> variety of sport. And um, a variety of things that, um, uh, of course, as a, a child, and you, you were just grown up with soccer. And, um, and, and then I, I did a lot, a lot of handball um, uh, playing. Um, and um, when I grew up a little bit, I was a little bit older, I, I discovered windsurfing. And windsurfing actually changed kind of my life. And because I had a near-death experience, mm -hmm. um, near-death experience, I... I was surfing, I was pretty good at surfing, and uh, we were always surfing in the sea, you know, in the... In, 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 in the North Sea. North. So, and, and, well, at a certain moment you reach a level that you try to push the envelope and do more difficult and complicated stuff, you know, on a surfboard. And, well, I reached a point that I only went on the water when the wind power was seven or or, or above. And uh, so, and preferably when the wind is in a certain direction that the waves are a little bit high. Mm -hmm. So at one point I went in the water when, and I, there was another other one with me because no one dared to. It was summer and, or was it? Well, I don't know, it was in maybe fall, I don't know. And, um, it was wind, wind power nine with up to ten, and so I went into the water and I was so excited and uh, so I managed to get out of the surf, and which was about maybe because it's blowing so far so so hard it's it's I don't know uh, maybe a kilometer, one and a half kilometers probably, and while I was surfing and while I was getting out of the surf where the water is flatter I noticed that one of the ropes was not tight was not tight mm -hmm. so that was a danger because if you are in a wave and it it loosens then it can be really dangerous so I decided to turn and to tighten tighten it and before I knew an enormous noise, that is what I remember, um, came over me and so I, we were that good that we didn't 
have a uh, live fest, so we are just in the surf suit and that was mm-hmm. it. And um, so and 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 I was caught by a by a big huge wave that I did not expect. Um, and I was turning and turning and turning and turning and do that wave, you know, and I couldn't get out and I was fighting, fighting against that wave and I, I couldn't do anything. And all of a sudden I, 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 I noticed that I lost power and what happened in between I don't know, but all of a sudden kind of woke up and floating. Uh, maybe I was carrying by a wave, I don't know. But um, in that moment of unconsciousness or whatever, I don't know, um, uh, it was as my life ended at that moment. So I, um, I looked around and, and maybe 50, 100 meters further, I could not estimate the distance, there was my boat. Okay. So there was something that was my, if I can get there, then my life is okay. Um, and that was the strangest thing ever, is I was carried by waves to get to my boat. Mm-hmm. How that happened, I don't know, but I got there. So you faster. Didn't move you, you, I didn't move, yeah. I was just, because I couldn't, yes. I was too tired. Yes. So I was just brought to my boat. Yes. And the next amazing thing was that if you are surfing, uh, we call it, you do a water start. That means that you just lift your, uh, your sail a little bit out of the water, the wind catches under the water, and then you can go. And that was all in the right direction. So I only needed to lift the sail a little bit out of the water, mm-hmm. and I just got on the boat and I, in one straight um, um, track, I, I, I went to the, to the coast. And that was the last time in my life that I served. So... What, what, what is the reason why you're not... Because I was too afraid. I was too... Because I went through an experience of death. Yeah. And I had two young children at that moment. And I thought, well, this is too risky. Because I, I, I pushed the envelope so much that I reached the moment that I want to go further. And I thought, well, if I go further, then it will be exponentially more dangerous. So I don't do it. I, I know myself. I have to stop now. So what you say, you mentioned, you, you phrased it in a way, um, you said, push the envelope. At that time, <clears throat> you were, what age were you? Uh, I think late 20. Late 20. Beginning 30s. So in yeah. your 20s or yeah. in your teenage age, um, have you been always a risk taker? Yeah. Have you been yeah, a risk taker in a way that you don't know your limits? Yeah. Yeah, just trying to find it. I did all kind of stuff, you know, and... Uh, so how would you describe that time when you say maybe the childhood... Did it start from the childhood or what, did it um, develop over the teenage age? Um, and how would you just summarize that? So the teenage age, was it more like an exploration phase? No, we were, phase yeah, we were discovering. We were discovering. discovering without knowing exactly what what will be the result, you know, and, um, and yeah, a lot of risk-taking. We, for instance, we, 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 we climbed high, high buildings, you know, and... Um, That's all in, in Amsterdam? Or no, in no, 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 I didn't live in Amsterdam. No, 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 no. I, I live in the east, eastern part of the country. Okay. 
and but they also had high buildings there so we were just climbing that uh, church tower and those kind of things you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah just for fun and um, yeah well those kind of things is what we what we did my mom actually we never told her because she was so afraid of the things she knew that we were doing I things. Would do that, the same if I would so that was no. If he would tell her, then we were not allowed to go. So we never told it, and we never briefed it back. Only later. Um, so yeah, and it, it was <laughs> also when we, as children, we play, we had a huge environment where we could play without roads or whatever. You know, there were. Uh, trees and it was just a nice environment you know for children to explore everything you know in nature and so we were always with a bunch of children and we climbed trees and whatever and, and at one moment one of our friends fell out of a tree you know and he was unconscious and yeah we had no clue what to do so we were sitting around him in a circle you know until he woke up and in the meantime one of the, uh, the, the our friends went home and he, he, he brought a carriage, you know, so if, if he would woke up, then, uh, wake up, then um, we could put him in a carriage and bring him to a doctor or something, you know. So we literally yeah. sat there for, I have no idea, maybe it was an hour or two hours, I don't know, and then he woke up and we put him in a carriage and brought him to the doctor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what, what we were doing. And so that was a lot of fun, we learned a lot. And uh, you did it together, you did it as a, yeah, as always, a, as a group yeah. together. Yeah, I think that was, uh, that was the unique part. Yeah, and we had, yeah, we had so much fun and we were doing all kind of, well, all kind of crazy stuff, but it's too much to, to, to talk about. But my, the, the other chapter in my life, so that is sport and, and things to discover, you know, by using your, your body. And um, I just I, wanted to say, because it's all about your body, actually, yeah, your limits yeah. of the body. Yeah. That's what you're, you're trying to... Um, yeah, and feeling comfortable, uh, comfortable with your body and, uh, and, and, and finding that you can do extraordinary things with your body. And that was more that we, uh, where I was interested in, you know. And 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 later was later years later. I, I remember we uh, we had to do. There was a a an, an, a PhD study from a guy in psychology in the university in Amsterdam, and he um, <clears throat> and he did a study about um, uh, how you estimate your your body and how how that influences your psychology, your 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 psyche, your your, your being um, and um, so he had a whole survey and that was all about how you how you feel how comfortable do you feel with your body and all the points I remember it as today the day of today is that I everything was my highest score you know in his questionnaire yeah. so I rated everything at the highest so confident did I feel with my body at, the, at that uh, time and um, that was just amazing, and, and, and later um, uh, it was not all anonymized, so he came back to me and said, well, I've never seen someone so comfortable with that. And yeah. he said, well, now I'm talking to you and see you doing, I can imagine. So anyway, so the next thing in my, in my life that was really a game changer is that um, I didn't know exactly after high school what I wanted to do, what I want to study, so do I go but you were interested in sports. You yeah, do I do I want to do that? Yes. You know, and I. <clears throat> Have you ever thought that you might do something related to sport? Yeah, yeah, and I'll like come later to that. <laughs> so, yeah. um, 
So I, I, I chose to, to go to a general nursing school. Mm -hmm. So that was all the aspects of nursing. So not in a hospital only, but also in psychiatry and whatever. And that was my, that was the change probably in my life. Um, that I have chosen to work in psychiatry. Because what I found really fascinating is what's going on in the psyche of people. Yeah. What, what, what is going on there? Yeah. And especially sick people. And how did it get that far? Mm -hmm. So I was fascinated by that. So I, I read everything about what I could read about psychiatry, about psychology, etc. Um, and I was working as a young guy in an, a group of psychiatry of uh, really mentally ill people. And here I'm a young guy, got out of school, got a lot of tools, and working there, I couldn't do anything with those tools. Not a single thing. So and that is where I thought, well, so I went to school for four years, um, tough things, tough studies, and I cannot do anything with it. So when in, you say in, you in, couldn't in do anything with it, you didn't no. understand the context? or No, uh, because, you know, situation? especially in psychiatry, you have to work with who you are. And who's going to tell you who you are, except yourself? And if you... And if you have a, a, <clears throat> a really sick person sitting next to you and telling your, you his or her miserable history, you know, what can you do as a person then listen and asking questions or not advices, I never gave advices, but just questions. And you know, um, because I, I didn't have any tool set, I had to develop my own tool set. Mm -hmm. So what I did is, is watching what psychiatrists did, what colleagues did, what, and I picked the things that fit, fit best to, to myself, where I felt myself comfortable with, mm -hmm. you know. And that was my tool set. So things around me where I feel comfortable with says something about myself. And, and that is what I discovered along the way. Where do I feel comfortable with and stick to that um, and develop that and try to find out why is it that you feel comfortable with that. Mm. I think one of the skills you have and uh, since I know you for one year is the skill of listening. Mm. You mentioned before about the questioning and answering, but when someone responds, the other person also needs to have the skill of listening before mm. coming up with that question, before mm. that other person finished. Mm. Would you say this is more at that part of your life, um, during that part, you have also developed some kind of skill to listen to someone before coming up with an opinion, before coming up with a question? Mm. Would you say that was also essential or was part of the toolkit? Yeah, I think without you cannot do that, and um, because nowadays, and sometimes yeah. and sometimes I don't know. Simple and and made decisions that I that I 
could not oversee at that moment. And here's an example, you know, and it was a very deep thing, you know, that, that, that I, I carry it with me as of today. Um, there was a really, really sick woman and she was a little bit older than I was. And at a certain moment, I, in my shift, it was on a Sunday afternoon, and my colleague was somewhere else, and all of a sudden the fire alarm went off. And I went to the room, and everything was on fire. And she was in the room, and she tried to extinguish the fire. But she couldn't do that. Her hands were, uh, were wounded, and so I took her out of the room. I went, to, I, I, I got the, the, the fire out, and I, I, um, and I took care of it. And when I was done with it, um, I went to the office, and she was already in front of the office. And she said, and now I have to go in the isolation cell. And to in 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 a separate in a separate room, uh, locked and, and you know, nothing in those rooms like a prison, you know. And I said, no way. Here is your family, and you go with your family, and come back whenever you want. Mm -hmm. And that was completely against the rules and whatever you know. But I, I thought, well, this is the best thing that I can do. And later. She came back. She came back, and, and 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 that week really went really bad with her. So she she developed a psychosis, deep psychosis. And weeks after that, a month after that, we were in a in a group session. She was a little bit better, and somehow the discussion was about meaning in life or something, you know. And she never says something said something and at that moment she said well I have to say something and she said my best moment in my life was the moment that I set my room on fire and Paul said to me after that go with your family and, he's, and she said well that is what I never expected and that was for me was that the ni one of the nicest things that ever happened because I was always punished mm. and now I didn't get any punishment I could go and so there's a lot of theories behind it why she got in a psychosis after that but, but I don't want to go there but um, these kind of things is sometimes it happens in my life and I don't know exactly why but it turns out to be good I mean, you're remembering these situations this, uh, in the past, and how how did they impact you at that age? Deep, <coughs> everything in, uh, in, 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 you know, in, uh, everything. In, uh, in the um, human being, understanding more the human being itself, actually. Y yeah, and, and, and you know, um, and you feel so limited because you don't understand really. You don't know what's going on and you see that people are suffering and you cannot help. And you know, and that is the moment that I, or there were more, moment, more moments after that as well. And, and, and I said to myself, well, this has to stop because you, you don't have enough knowledge about stuff. So 
do something. So and that is where I started to study mm -hmm. uh, psychology. So next to my to my work that I did, I started to study psychology, and it was really good. And on top of that, I started to study philosophy, and and that is where I made all kind of combinations in working with people. So I went in. Uh, I, I started to work as an. Uh, so I left. Um, the, the psychiatry uh, environment, so when I started to work as a, uh, as a lecturer. And um, because I wanted to, to teach people um, to, um, to do different things with, um, because I was trained as a nurse and I, mm -hmm. I, I was lecturer at a nursing school and I, I wanted, to, do, I wanted to, to work with students to do things in a different way. And um, and help them to develop tool set based on what their own uh, strengths were, you know. Because if you find your strength, then probably you can build a tool set around that. Yes, that so is, you're emphasizing more on the strengths than on yeah. the weaknesses. So that is better than people teach you a tool set that you have to do and it is not something that you feel comfortable you're with. You'll find that and, mm -hmm. and so a lot of things around it. And, and um, while, while I was the teacher, at the same moment, the, um, there was an, an, an upcoming new thing, which was technology, which mm -hmm. was computers. So yeah. I'm that old. So yeah. the computers... <laughs> what decades so, are we talking about? That's like, was sorry? it in the, in the 80s? So, yeah, 90s, 80s, 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 80s
if you would give it a title, if you put, and I opened your book and I see that kind of chapter, the first chapter, what would be the title in the table of content? Um, I think uh, self-confidence. Self-confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say this is uh, in in a positive way or in a yeah. negative? Positive way. Positive, but yeah. it led you to some yeah. to explore. So, okay. And it's interesting that you ask that question because um, it is difficult to summarize. It yeah. is difficult to put a title on. Yeah. And to give it a name. Yeah. Yeah, I would say self-confidence. Yeah, and 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 I think a couple of things are very important in a sport to find your strength you know and you see that you are good at yeah. things you know and and you feel just good with it you know it's fine yeah sport uh, has so much to do also with personal um, knowing your personal limits yeah team playing yeah uh, team playing sport like soccer um, but also about improving <coughs> continuously figuring out how to improve how to yeah come back after a setback. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing connected to that is there is more under the sun, you know? Um, so I, I... But that is kind of, of com completely a red thread in my life is um, I'm never... I was never a person who wants to... Uh, to dig into one thing. Multiple. I, I always wanted to do more things because there is more that is connected. And um, that's also the reason that I never wanted to be a super specialized person, you know. I, I, I hated it. Um, so, and, and that that was a kind of right choice was during my philosophy study because that opened your mind also in a different way. And that also helped me to, to ask right questions about the apparently normal things, you know, but apparently normal things are not normal. And so I'm, I started to, to ask questions about it. And that opened my, let's say, my, my mind for all kinds of other things, including technology. And because I, I didn't want to go deep in computer science because I... It, it was nothing because I, I only wanted to to work with what were the effects, what yes. were the effects of that, you know, and that is where I started to think about what what what's going on. I see things changing, but I could not get my my vocabulary right, you know, to express what I was seeing. Because I, there was something missing. I think. Yeah. When I, I, when I just listened to what what you say, is like you you were interested in multiple areas at the same time. Maybe one of the reasons <clears throat> because you wanted to see the connections between yeah, these areas, yeah. how they interact. Yeah. And I, I, I really I could not see that. And I saw that in science, I saw that in, 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 in the medical area, I saw that in education and the amount of, of, of books, you know, that were uh, uh, written, you know, and I thought, well, where is the knowledge coming from? And, and you name it, you know, it was all kind of, of, of growing, growing, growing. So, and then the end of the 90s, beginning of the, 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 the 2000, I don't know exactly around that time, I, um, I came aware of the work of Ray Kurzweil. And um, so 
I, I started to, to follow, uh, it was also interesting, because of my interest in, in computer technology, I, 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 I was one of the first adopters, I think, of internet, you know, when people didn't even understand what internet was. I was already doing internet stuff, you know, with... That was uh, that before was Windows with, with Unix, you know, with Unix, and you had to, uh, to, 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 to do all kind of coding to get on the internet and blah, blah, blah. So it was a really interesting time, you know. And at that time, <coughs> would you call yourself a geek? No, not at all. Not at because all. Because I didn't want to do that. But, um, but I was interested. Interested You can call me an interest. In interest, interest in things, you know, and uh, the, inter the internet of things, so the interest of things, interest of things, yeah. Yeah. and and that is really very very broad, and that that also clarifies my the, the choice that time in the medical area to go in nursing to be as broad as possible. So if if I would have gone in medical school, I would only be in one. If I would have gone in medical school, I would be a GP. Because that is the overview, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And not a cardiologist or a neurologist or whatever, you know, or <laughs> funny thing. In, I've been a CIO in, in, a, in one of the most respected um, um, eye hospitals in the world. And there were a lot of ophthalmologists working there. And half of them were professor and were professor in a little part of the eye. And that was so amazing to me that people can be so expertise in just such a little thing. And I think, well, there is way more than that little thing, but we also need that little thing, you know. And that was always my fear. If I, if I dig into something, then I'm going to lose myself, and I don't want to do that. I want to, to keep the overview, and that is maybe one of the, the best things that, that happened in my life in nursing is we were taught to think holistically. And that is what I'm constantly doing. That is the, the you can see, you, you can say the, um, the architecture of my life is holism. And so, and here I'm, I'm, I'm back in, that I learned about uh, Kurzweil and how he was thinking and how he was, and then, in, in 2005, I never forget it, he, he published a book, uh, The Singularity is Near. I came aware of it and I was reading it and I read it actually in one breath. And that was the, the tool set that I needed to understand what was going on. And what was going on is really the exponential growth of technology. Mm -hmm. All empowered, all powered, not all powered, by one factor, and that is computational power, the increase of computational power, and the rest is all derived from that. So, for instance, artificial intelligence, all the algorithms and all the things you know, were already known back in 1950, but we could not use it because the computational power was lacking. So, and once that was growing, growing, artificial intelligence grew, and we could do more with artificial intelligence. And we could do more with other things because of the computational yeah. power. So, and once that is going in that pace, it will never stop. And that is, and when I discovered that myself, it was on a way lower pace than where we are now. But what I what I learned is that the law of acceleration is returning, and that is the 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 biggest breakthrough that I 
that I see in technology. And that happens everywhere. Yeah. And that will impact everything and anything, including ourselves. You're saying about the impact, and that's something which I found very fascinating about you actually highlighting not just the, the post, post, positive aspects of artificial intelligence, exponential ideas, and technology, etc., but also the negative impacts, yeah. the, the <coughs> consequences, yeah. the unknown consequences yeah. in different areas. And I remember um, last year when we had this Dubai chapter meeting, you highlighted the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. And I, if I remember correct, you highlighted certain areas, among others, environmental issues, uh, poverty, etc., education. And you compared some of the existing technologies in this field. Yeah. But also you questioned what's going to happen in the next five to ten years. Yeah. And that kept me thinking afterwards, immediately after the meeting, is we never think about <coughs> the impacts in all kind of areas, in the labor market, in the, in the, um, in the costs, in the, in the infrastructure, etc., etc. We're not thinking about the impact of this um, exponential technologies yeah. in specific areas. So I'm saying this is because what I thought about after this meeting is whatever technology is out there might solve a problem, might cause another problem. So we're thinking about the technology might solve something, but yeah. could cause another problem down the line. Yeah. Is that something you... Because that's, is that something you emphasized over the last few yeah. years when you... Yeah. Especially with SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals? Yeah, you know, here, here is... Because when I listen to you and about your interest in this, what is the context behind, for what is the purpose yeah. behind, you know? Yeah, that is... Um, you know, it, it, it all comes back to, to that holistic let's say, DNA. And maybe that's the best word to say, because it's, it's simply my DNA. <clears throat> and when I, when I, 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 I taught also uh, the philosophy of science, and what I, what I was doing with students is always, if you are working on a certain area that you are investigating, that you are doing your research on, you know, I always ask them, one of the things, one of the chapters that I also want to see is what is the impact. So if you discover something, if you do something, what is the impact? And positively, negatively. Uh, at that moment, I, 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 I did not care. I was, more care I, I was more focusing on ask that question. Because if you discover something, if you, if you research something and you have a certain result, what does that result? With mm -hmm. the rest. How does that, for instance, how does that result fit into other results? Yes. So the and connection again, it's similar to the connection, what you said, of different results in different areas, how they're interconnected. Yeah, so because we are, we are living in a, in a in, in, in our, our world is a system, and you are a system, I'm a system, and together we are a system. Um, and if you change something in a system, everything changes. And um, but we all we, we most of the time we don't see the changes, and somewhere else it will appear. And um, so everything that we are discovering, everything that we are researching, adds to that. Mm -hmm. Somehow it will be used. Um, so it is a huge kind of interconnected system what we are talking about. 
So, and that is, again, that holistic view, is ask the questions, if I change something here, what will happen, maybe somewhere else? Can we, can we, can you make within that, that area that you're researching, can you make that, I would say that extrapolation? And um, and that was the hardest part that students had to do. Yeah, you mentioned about the students right now. I mean, I look into your study life and you compare the current study life. Um, you mentioned about the interconnected systems. How important for you were in the past and nowadays the support of encouraging students to collaborate. And I'm saying this is because nowadays we live in a world where we come up with competitions. Hmm. But competition itself limits yourself of sharing ideas with others. Yeah. So you keep yourself in a nutshell. How important is collaboration for you yeah. when it comes to interconnected systems yeah. versus um, competitions? Compared to today from the, our, the education system today and compared to your past. So there is a, um, an interesting uh, thing, you know. I, I, as I said, I travel around around the world and and, um, <laughs> and in many places in the world uh, people want to copy Silicon Valley and Silicon Valley cannot be copied and Silicon Valley cannot be copied because it's in the culture there and if you go there um, and I've been there many times if you go there and you go to a coffee shop people are meeting people are discussing people are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs discussing with each other uh, yeah. with each other about problems that they have so there is an, an interconnection or a, a melting, and some people, I don't know if I can say that, but ideas have sex. And if there is, an, if that happens, you know, something new exists, you know, a new will, will be born. And that is interesting. That is what happens there. People are more open to help each other to find something. Uh, and that can sometimes be that in those discussions that people find a new approach for their problem by sharing that and talking with about people it, and talking Just simply, simply talking about, talk about it. it. Yeah. So if I go now to, and that is a funny thing, Daniel, it's a very funny thing. A couple of weeks ago I was in China and and I had really interesting meetings. I did a presentation, whatever, and, and then um, I had a meeting with high, high-end uh, companies in science. And one of the companies is uh, the company working on micro and nano satellites. And it's fascinating. You know, what those people doing is fascinating. And in the discussions, I said, well, and who are your clients? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Who is selling these things? I don't know. And here, here, here is the problem. Um, those people are scientists. And scientists, what they love is working in their lab. And please don't disturb me. Please let me do my thing in my lab. So they are very closed, right? And not used to share their ideas. That's one thing. We went to another company and is using data from those nanosatellites mm -hmm. and do all kind of amazing things with the data. You cannot imagine what they do with the data. And I said again, who is your client? I said, I don't know. 
to whom are you going to sell it? No, no, no. He said, who is paying your bills? Well, it's the government. And, and, and this is really a problem. Those people did not learn how to collaborate. And if they would go out in the market and find people who could use their technology to make their business or their life better, everybody would be happy, you know. But, yeah. And then I went in Skolkovo, in, in Russia, in, in, in Moscow. Yeah. And that was a big, huge development, all funded by the, the government. Um, and it was kind of top-down development. And they are still struggling, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, in my opinion, and here in the UE, you see the same thing. It's all regulated. And that will never, never be, I think, getting to a level that you find in Silicon Valley, where it is a constant, and not that Silicon Valley is better, that the people are brighter there. No, they, they, the ideas have sex. Very simple. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is where new things are and they, they invented Burning Man and go to Burning yeah. Man I've never been there but I talked to many people when there there's a crazy environment where people are creative mm-hmm. and in creativity the highest level in our let's say in our uh, cognitive layers and uh, layers of ab- abstraction is creativity is music is painting is whatever you know is writing so on People meet each other on that level. Hmm. And on that level, we discover yeah. unexpectedly, serendipity, whatever. And because those people are willing to share, because it is all built on sharing. Yeah. I think this sharing aspect is the key nowadays when it comes to moving forward with specific, coming up with solutions for existing problems. You, sh- you mentioned about, you know, China and Russia and you're traveling a lot around and I think it comes all down and I can totally share that experience as well is nowadays we're teaching young people about coming coming up with innovations Hmm. nice good-looking great innovative ideas but these ideas are not necessarily solving an existing problem Mm -hmm. which is worth solving Hmm. and or it might not have a market And I think this is where it comes down to sh- collaboration. When we collaborate, when we're going to collaborate and share our knowledge or get, receive information from others as well, who might know more, be like human-centered design, knowing more about that problem which mm. that customer is facing, we're actually designing a product for them mm. and not for us. Mm. Mm. And I think yeah. this could be, I don't mind, just listening to, I mean, obviously in China and in Russia, that's another part of the government interest, but in the end of the day, when it comes to smaller ideas, when it comes to smaller ideas which might impact a small group and later on way more, we have to keep in mind the, pe- the human being behind, the customer in mind, mm-hmm. and to understand their current problems and how they're currently solving this problem. Yeah, yeah. If we don't know, we're designing something which needs a lot of investment and might never de- be developed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, agree, agree, and, and I see that so many times in this education system nowadays. Oh yeah, it's just our education system—it's—it's uh, it's, it's old-fashioned, and uh, uh, so. But but here it 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 again it comes down to listen, yeah. listen to what your client 
are what people around you have to tell you and what kind of problems they face and for what kind of problems do they need solutions. And um, and that, that requires, I would almost say, the art of investigation your client or you, the person who has a problem, uh, the art of investigation, those problems, you know, I think that is, that is key in finding solutions. Um, and, and, and again, uh, here you see the problem that I started with before we were taping here is the problem of bias. Mm-hmm. We are biased. Companies who are, even high-tech companies, are biased because they, they, they want to find solutions and the things where they are good at. Um, if you would merge that or if you would um, um, infuse that, is a better word, infuse that with new ideas completely out of the area where they are working, you could find solutions. And high-tech companies don't do that. And in many, in many ways, um, because they are biased, and that is not good or bad. It is a simple. Con- mm-hmm. So, um, and you see that, for instance, if if companies are acquiring other companies, and those other companies are part of the bigger company, within no time, that company that has been acquired is doing the same things as the big company, mm-hmm. and. That is what I always say in, if I'm talking to companies, don't do that. Le- keep them in their own environment. Don't touch that even and see what you can do with it, you know, and use parts of it, but please let them go. And um, um, that f- Rather copying and more looking into complementing, complementing yeah, specific see, R&D. See them as a, as a, as a complementarity um, a solution provider for what you are doing, mm. but don't merge them. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, a big mistake. I, I mean that it's a big mistake. And um, um, and I see that happening all the time. And 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 people then after some time they are leaving the company because they are not satisfied mm. because they they cannot do what they want to do. Mm. Um, so. W- one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm working on, I'm also a, an, an ExoWorks coach. I just wanted to say, um, so the times were, you know, we talked about the 90s. And uh, um, how, tell me a little bit about the last few years. I mean, what you currently work. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about uh, um, ExoWorks, um, but also yeah. how it led to um, working for Philips. So all this, and also the, your current work. You're not just mm. consulting. You're no. also, you know, working at Singularity University. Emphasize that yeah. here in the chapter in Dubai. You're traveling around the world. You just told me before the tra- podcast, next few days you're in Kazakhstan. And next week, yeah. Next week, and then I actually ask you where is your home. So yeah. it, you know, it raised questions as well yeah. of where are we at the moment. So if you can maybe share a little bit about the last few years. Um, so the steps from, you know, end 90s, early 2000s, over the last 10, 10 years. Not yeah, years. yeah, yeah. So yeah. how was that story? Because in the end, you know, you you have moved to Dubai. You have lived in Dubai for a long time, right? Or N- no. So I um, before I, um, I I moved to uh, Dubai, I uh, I lived for a while in Russia, and um, um, 
trying to um, to change the the largest private healthcare chain in Russia, and uh, on behalf of Philips, I was a subcontractor, and that was interesting, uh, really interesting job, and um, and and also the exposure to to a different culture, with a different mindset, and. Um, yeah, and it was really a hard time to to work there with a lot of people who don't speak English and I don't speak Russian. So, um, but anyway, I I, uh, so I was think like hand and feet communication. Is it used? Yeah, sometimes not because uh, that was also in the early days that that uh, that you could use uh, uh, Google Translate, but but also that it is immediately translated in 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 Russian uh, voice, you know, so people could could understand it, you know. So okay. we, I communicated through my phone, and uh, that was sometimes really funny. And uh, so yeah, um, but uh, life there was very very hard, and uh, because uh, Moscow is a culture in itself, you know, and that that um, um, very selfish, and uh, so it's very difficult for someone from from the western part to merge with them. Um, uh, so, but in, in the end, I, I, I found my way, I think, but... Um, um, so we did amazing work there, and um, halfway uh, my work, the, the, the economy in Russia collapsed uh, dramatically, and at the same time I was... I got a phone call from an oligarch in Siberia, and he asked me, well, can you help me to build a new hospital? I said, yeah, why not? Well, I never built a hospital in my whole life, but I only was part of building new hospitals, you know, in my role as CIO. So, but I said, well, yeah, let's let's do that. And uh, but I will do a first a quick scan before I say yes. And it's a challenge itself. I mean, to build a hospital is not like you know you do it no, from the. No, no, it's not a building a tent or something. Exactly. You know? yeah. so, <laughs> but anyway, so I wrote the whole program for that and. and um, um, but it, it, it was really an interesting experience going from Moscow to Siberia. Siberia was a completely different culture, inner culture. Mm -hmm. And people were open-minded, were wel welcoming you. And, and, and so, yeah, I did not expect it at all. And uh, so that was also a learning moment mm -hmm. for me. Well, there is so much difference. And, you know, in, you, you teach yourself all the time to, to adapt and um, and that is that was, was was really interesting. So, long story short, um, I helped them to develop the program and uh, how to uh, how to do that and how to build that, build up some really nice relationships, and um, and then um, uh, Philips uh, uh, decided uh, that I had to go back to the Netherlands, so I handed it over. And went back to the Netherlands and did some some interesting stuff in the Netherlands. And then they asked me to um, uh, to go to the Middle East to help setting up the consulting uh, business. So that's how I landed up here in um, in we, the Middle East. You mentioned about uh, the teachers have to adapt, you know, working these different countries. But isn't it also part of like comparing it? Um, you're getting insights from different countries, different companies, different mindset, different work. Uh, philosophies. You see also the the contrast. Yeah, Both you see a lot of you see a lot of contrasts, you know. But um, you know, while you are doing and while you are living and while you are, I think that is the most important thing. Open to. 
to live and to work in those cultures, you know, as a result is that you broaden your skill set, that you broaden your um, behavioral repertoire, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, uh, so that, that you don't... Well, if, if you adapt to a certain culture, you, um, you feel connected with that culture, and what also happens is that you feel confident and comfortable in in that culture mm. with things that you like in that culture and there are also things that you don't like in a culture and that is what you try to avoid because you cannot change it mm -hmm. uh, because you are temporarily there so um, <clears throat> I went here to the um, um, to the Middle East and, 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 and as a kind of red thread last uh, 15 years is singularity uh, stuff you know so in the Netherlands I was the uh, chapter leader of the Singularity University in the southeast part of the Netherlands and so when I left to the um, uh, to, to, uh, to Dubai to the Middle East I had to um, to stop with that and when I got here I asked well who, who is the chapter lead here and can I do work here and uh, so there was a chapter here but it was not really active so I said well can I take it over and so it was not a problem so I took it over and tried to set up the um, a new network here and and try to do amazing stuff um, and yeah what I what I see here in Dubai there is a, a lot of things are going on at the same time and Dubai wants to be on top of everything and wants to be a leader in, you name it, you know, everything. And it breathes uh, innovation. But I think it's, it has a down or a, a, a flip side that uh, I, I, I think that, that Dubai could be way more effective in, than what they are doing now. I mean, when you uh, compare that Dubai uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, yeah. the rapid change, what is happening? Yeah. It's not being developed over like 20, 30, 40 years. No, no. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really a fast... Exponential uh, growth, literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's really... Uh, um, uh, but it, that's maybe a different story. Maybe we will touch on that. Um, so I, I, I got here, and so here I am with my uh, main job, which is at, um, at Philips Consulting, HDS, and um, trying to help healthcare facilities to change, uh, to... Um, um, to make them more adaptable to the fast changing world is one of the things that we are doing. Um, creating awareness about what kind of new technologies are out there that, that hospitals or that healthcare facilities can use. And, uh, and, and last but not least, how, how can we empower patients by using technology? So that is, um, um, yeah. Uh, the main part of the work that I'm doing in uh, in Philips, and next to that, I'm so the the chapter lead here to set up interesting things here, and the third part, if you will, is uh, my role as um, X Exo Works coach, which is a um, an organization that works worldwide and helping organizations, companies, big companies. To become more exponential, and um, and that more exponential means that 
um, uh, that they are using um, the abundant world of things that we digitized. And how can you use that? And how can you use that for the things that you do yourself? And how can you um, uh, be more competitive in what you are doing by unlocking that abundant world? So we build a whole tool set around that. And, um, and, and um, most of the, the coaches are advising online. So companies are asking us, well, um, we need that kind of expertise for, for that kind of problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we set up a meeting, and an online meeting, and talk us through that? You know? So that's a kind of concept that we are doing, one of the concepts. But the interesting thing here is that, <clears throat> that what we are trying to do is on, on focusing on two things, two levels, if you will. Firstly is you have a core in a company. That is where the company makes the money. A, uh, and and uh, what we are trying to do is to help the people working in the core to at certain points to unlock that abundant world to to incorporate it more and more in the course that the core changes a little bit that they maybe will be more effective that they um, work faster whatever <clears throat> that is a an important part to do mm-hmm. but the most exciting thing is that we at the same time we are helping a company to develop edges what we call edges, mm-hmm. uh, three or four edges in, 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 in a sprint of 10 weeks. Um, so people who are tending to think out of the box, um, we select them and put them in, a, in, a, in an edge. And the only thing that they get, the only assignment that they get is try to disrupt what you want to disrupt. Okay. It's an open, figure it out. Yeah. But there is only one restriction, don't talk to the core. I see, but okay. Mm-hmm. Because the problem of, let's say, the, 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 um, the change of an organization is their immune system. We call that immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of resistance against changing. Um, so you cannot do all kind of weird stuff in that core business where organizations make their money. Mm-hmm. So you cannot disrupt that too much. It's you fine, have to do that very, 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 very careful with mm-hmm. that, you know. But in the edges, you can do that. No problem. But once an edge is going to talk to the core, then one thing happens immediately, and that is the immune system kicks in. No, stop. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like I like that. Like I mean, I just visualize myself uh, this partly. See the edges is the core, the immune system. The 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 benefit of the edges, as you said, is like the rapid prototyping. Yeah, <clears throat> pivot in seconds, um, like a design yeah. sprint. Pivot, see the test result, iterate, yeah. etc., etc. Yeah. As soon as you are in need of the core. And I, I guess in new cases it's about financial support when it comes to specific key decision players. Yeah. 
there is a yes or no question, or you're limited. You're limited in that case directly. Yeah. So the the we go back to the to the uh, to the edge, and so edge is using uh, lean startup methodologies and yeah. those kind of things, and we help them as coaches to to help them to to build that new idea. Yeah. And then halfway or something, then they are presenting that, and then the, we are disrupting it yeah. because it's never good. And because yeah, in a couple of weeks you don't really understand how do you unlock that that abundant world around you that you can use. So, but the interesting thing is now at the end of the the ten weeks, they have to come up with a prototype or a mock-up or something, you know, including a business model and etc. And a couple of things can happen, and that is, the Edge is a really interesting initiative, and the core or the management, the board, decided, decides to sell it, or to kill it, or to partly integrate it, mm-hmm. or to partner with a, an Edge, you know, yeah. something like that, those, those flavors are there. You know, the ideal situation in the end is that the edge is taking over the core, but that is sometimes a different story. So, to make that more tangible and visible, companies that have that in their DNA is, for instance, Apple and Amazon. So, Apple, just every year or every couple of years, they put people in an edge, what can we disrupt next? And they come up with crazy ideas, but they never talk to the core. Even there, it is not done, you know, you, you cannot do that. And Amazon started as bookseller and is now selling yeah. platforms, you know. Yeah. And so it is interesting to follow those companies. And they all, there is no exemption of all the companies who are now in the top 100, Fortune top 100, they are all digital. Yeah. And they are not older than 25 years old, right? Uh, Apple is a little bit older, um, but Google, um, mm. uh, Amazon, um, uh, Facebook, uh, those companies who are uh, uh, Tesla, it, it's all based on digital. I'm driving Tesla myself, mm. and I'm just amazed every day again, or not every day, but every week, every two weeks, there is an update, an upgrade, or whatever, you know, and yeah. the car is different. And that happens while I'm sleeping. And um, so it's completely digital. Yeah. And uh, so. It's not like money version you buy <coughs> once. It's like. No. A it, basic version and get updated over time. Yeah. So it's it's, it's like a software. It's just similar like a software program. Yeah. It's just really yeah. interesting concept and um, so and 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 a guy like like uh, such as Elon Musk. So those are so far ahead thinkers, you know, that, that um, um, and we need more of those people. And, but like BMW and Mercedes, they have no idea how disruptive this is. Mm-hmm. Because today, um, I forgot, Valve, is, I think it's Valve, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. It's a company that does not have people on the payroll. There are a couple of people working there. And they have a whole community around them with people who are really good at CAT and CAM and whatever, yeah. you know, and they, they develop within a couple of weeks a new car. 
from the concept 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 stage there's a new car yeah you know and can be built yeah um that's just amazing and the costs of that is almost to zero whereas if mercedes is or bmw is building or developing a new car it costs a couple of years and it costs a billion or something so that's the difference and that is that is a trend that we see over and over and over again and every let's say every market that you can think of will go through that same through that same mechanism um fintech for example banks you see that even more <clears throat> i keep seeing this more and more in the banks especially yeah. in europe you yeah. see online banks banks so are disappearing and traditional way yeah even the atms slowly yeah. i saw an yeah. article a couple of days ago was like the face of slowly dying of atms yeah. starting yeah. So let's say in five to ten years, yeah, it's going to be like phone uh, telephone boxes. It's only, yeah. yeah. And there are very interesting things going on in Estonia. You see, you you only can pay. Estonia, well, it's, a, an it's example. a role model for like. It's an example, yeah. And they and they, they are doing good. So, um, you know, everything that you can touch on will be changed, and it's going to be changed, um, and that will include healthcare. That will include education. Um, but education and, 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 and healthcare are probably also the areas that will change it's, it's most difficult to change them because they are over regulated education is completely regulated mm. healthcare is completely regulated yeah. so to disrupt that is really difficult to do that you, you talked about <coughs> this everything you literally touch will be changed and you mentioned something um in one of the presentations you said, change yourself or you will be changed. Yeah. So it's not about just the technology, it's also knowing how that human being is interacting with it and how yeah. it adapts. Yeah. So you're always thinking about adapting towards the technology. Yeah. We have to adapt to it. Yeah. Because we cannot, we actually, when you're, when you're talking about it in this way, we're not in control of the technology anymore. Yeah. We are actually reacting to it. We are already reacting. Yeah. We are not active anymore, we are reacting because of the fast pace. And that not necessarily is always in... in, uh, I mean, this is (coughs) cultural-wise difficult. Some countries, some cultures are less in that pace of uh, adapting to it. Yeah. And then I see the consequences. Yeah, I do do agree. And and, and, uh, what you you see is, for instance, Africa. Africa is leapfrogging because they are not only on the uh, wired infrastructure, they are on mobile infrastructure, and it's going really fast there. Um, The the other thing is that that technology will take over stuff from us. It's obvious, and it's, it's... it's a kind of <clears throat> smoldering fire, you know. And and what I what I see happening is that um, we will be more and more controlled by our digital assistants. Mm-hmm. So people will get digital assistance, and we embrace that because a lot of things that digital assistants do is really good. Because I don't need to think about my next appointment in my agenda, That's my digital agenda. But on the other side, we are not aware of how much power we give away at the same time. Yes, and that we, Let's in the end, and that is where I'm thinking about, that is the impact, that is, what is the consequence, again, those questions, when it reaches a point that when you get up in the morning and you are brushing your teeth, 
that your digital assistant will say, well, hey, you have to see your dentist because of blah, 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 blah. And if you don't go, then your insurance company will probably yeah. pay, you have to, more, to pay more premium. Or if you are, um, um, so, and, and better go now in your car, uh, or I ordered already a car for you because in that time um, you don't own a car anymore. So yes. the, the car is on the way, so better get ready and don't forget to eat because if you don't eat, then blah, 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 blah. So your life will be controlled more and more and more because there is something behind it that is interested in that kind of behavior uh, because it will be controllable. These kind of things... Mm-hmm. keep with me for a moment bear with me because this is a, a leap is that that could be the end of democracy we think that we are free but we are not yeah. Yeah. technology can be the death of democracy because of these things and then you have to think who is behind that that controls it and who can control it and who will control it? Is that still, are there still humans or not? Yes. So what, what does that future look like? Yeah. And am I a slave of something that we created ourselves? Can I escape from that? Probably not. <clears throat> will I embrace that? Yes, we embrace it because we like technology, because it's so seductive to use certain things that I don't need to think about anymore, you know? But who will do that for me? I think this comes down to the uh, emotional intelligence of knowing how much power you give away. And I keep thinking about Google Photos, when I think about Siri, and you, as you said, you, know, you <coughs> give it in the morning your daily plan ahead. Yes, it's comfortable. Yes, it's convenient you type in the word on Google Photos and you see the results. But you're not knowing what are the results. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not all the results. Yeah. You're deci- someone decides on behalf of an algorithm or the, maybe the machine decides of what you're going to see. Yeah. Or what it's, is best for you. Or it's maybe best for you, exactly. <laughs> so that might be for many people uncomfortable, but it's not okay. necessarily you are in power. But that, the scary part what I personally <clears throat> see in there is we are not aware of that. We are not aware that we are not in power. Yeah. So and it will, I will bring it a step further is the moment... <laughs> A lot of things where I'm thinking of, you know, it's a, um, a thinking machine. Um, asking again the questions. The moment that we will be able, and it is already done, will be able to connect our brains to the internet wirelessly. Um, what does that do to us? Mm-hmm. We are creating a synthetic neocortex a collective intelligence, neocortex, whatever, where I'm part of, if I'm connected, where you are part of, if you're connected. What does that mean for our communication? Can we think each other instead of talking to each other? Can we think to each other? Um, What does that mean for languages? Does thinking use the same thing as language? I don't know, I don't have the answer. But um, can you not do that? If I'm not being connected, to what will I be connected? 
And so now we are making the next step, you know, if you are connected to that neocortex, if you are more digital, you are now digital. More digital mm -hmm. than you are now. Then you are more digital. Means that you can live digitally forever. So that you can digitally travel wherever you want to go. The point is, and I think we will reach that point as well, and that's also an interesting discussion, is, is that digital self that you are digitally conscious about that you are mm -hmm. digital? If a digital entity is conscious about the fact that it is digital and aware of the moment in time and aware of space, aware of context, if we create that, then you can have a digital self, a digital twin, yes. a digital you. And maybe you have 20, or yeah. the matrix, whatever. All conscious about themselves. I think with what we are working on now, and, and those implants are already available, that we are able to connect to the internet to connect to a computer hmm. through that interface and through that computer connected to the end. So the point is, is how, are go, how are our brains adapting to that? How are our brains managing that? How, yeah. I don't know, I, I don't have the answers, I'm questioning. And and I, I don't see that much, at the moment, discussions about it. I think we need to also look back into we talking about the human brain that took yeah. millions of years to being developed. I mean, you think about what we have done to the brain over the last 100 years and what it is not able to cope with. I mean, just thinking about the simple areas of stress. Yeah. Just the last five to 10 years, the stress we have with multiple gadgets at the same time etc. And what it makes to the brain. The brain took time of thousands of millions of years yeah. to develop. Yeah. What we just saw over the last five to ten years is not something we, I think, in my opinion, can forecast. I think the, the human brain will be... It's very interesting, actually, what you say. It's very interesting to see how we adapt to that. But the question is also to what extent we adapt. And maybe to yeah. just a certain <coughs> degree. Yeah. And maybe we're not adapting, but we're yeah. planning to do. And also when you mentioned about this um, digitalizing, we digitalize ourselves. I see it always like we, we are, let's say, 100 pieces. The body is 100 pieces. If we're adding additional component, let's say we're turning ourselves into a digital one being, we're giving away other pieces. So we always keep 100. So we're turning this 100 into 80 to 20, and mm. then this 20 grow into 30, 40, 50. So whenever we're adding something to our components, we're giving something away. And we need to be aware of what we're giving away. Mm. Because this giving away might not come back again. Mm -hmm. So this in being in power, this normal um, being in the moment, not literally traveling to an island, maybe in 50 to 100 years, we look back and say, well, that was old school, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's actually something which is unique. You can't mm -hmm. copy it. And 
I'm always fascinated about technology, but I'm also very curious, very curious when I see the new, you know, whatever iOS 12 is coming out. They are AR and who knows what. And many, that's, that, that's the saddest part. And I think this is where we need to think about also the education system. We need to teach young people also how to be aware of this. Yeah. That they are not being controlled. And they yeah. are nowadays are controlled about this technology. Yes, uh, absolutely. And there are more things, you know. I'm, I'm, one of the ideas where I'm working on is to set up a biotech lab for children and uh, here in, in Dubai. Um, because what, I, what we also see is the enormous power um, and almost limit potential unlimited potential uh, of gene editing and um, working on DNA level uh, to change things, you know, that for the good and maybe also for the not good. Um, but exposing children to that kind of power um, makes them aware of what you can do and what you should not do. Um, and so that they experience literally what the power is of it. Is that mine? I think so. Um, so that is one of the ideas that I that I have to to set it up, and and that that schools, grand schools, maybe high schools, can go there and just do their experiments. Yeah with a good guidance and that people who are guiding those students can tell them about consequences yeah. and that they can see how easy it is. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of part of your next chapter. So when I just going back now quickly to summarize everything. So uh, I think pretty sure we could have talked about this very long now and we are <laughs> roughly around 90 minutes. But when I just going to summarize quickly and just to put like a, a name on each chapter to kind of theme. So the first one was about self-confidence. The second in the 90s, 2000s, that time, how would you summarize that time? I would say applying. Applying... Um, the time where you traveled as well, and you saw the different... So, yeah, the... the, the yeah, yeah, it's it's applying what I... what I always did. I, I, I made it for myself more tangible in my work, in my life, and and then if you would go to the next chapter, then I would say rediscover, and uh, and and the rediscover is actually, I would say the um, the unlimited power of technology, and the speed of developing, development of um, um, uh, the the technological power. And the, 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 the chapters are also following up faster, maybe even exponential, no, not exponential, but faster. Shorter, shorter the shorter, the interval, frame. the interval is shorter, yes. And then you can say, well, is structure. Um, okay. So in the technology, I'm trying to structure myself and to, to keep track of it. Um, and and you can say the next chapter is awareness and then the future chapter uh, it's, it's awareness to to create awareness about 
all this, you know, that because I feel more comfortable to talk about it and I feel more comfortable uh, by overseeing what's going on because I am just interested. And this overseeing part is the key, especially when you said about in, in the past you're interested in so many different areas. Yeah. You need to have this bird view. Yeah, because, you know, the thing that I, that I discovered also is that we, due to technology, we know more and more about less and less. Explain me that. So, you, we know... We know Give more an ex about... An ex example. Well, yeah. what I said in the beginning uh, about those um, ophthalmologists, yeah. you know, in that eye hospital where I work as CIO, professors were professor in just a little part of the eye. And don't ask that professor about another part of the eye. You don't know. Or not enough. You know, so my saying is we know more and more about less and less. And maybe in the end we know about, we know everything about nothing, but um, maybe we have to go there. But that is a, a, a main thing that we see around us. And that, and that, especially that, is one of the causes that we, that a lot of things, especially in healthcare, is so fragmented, is that in our society is so fragmented. Um, and that is what I usually say also an effect of exponential, the, 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 the growth of exponential, the, the, the growth of technology is exponential, um, means that also the fragmentation is on an exponential curve. So, and how do we bring that together is, one of the things is, with technology. So, if you are just thinking of the exploding of data, we as human beings are nowhere, nowhere able to keep track of that, to be able to do something that makes sense with the data without using technology, which is AI. So, AI is, on, the, on one hand, is a blessing uh, that we created ourselves to be able to manage the enormous amount of data that we produced, mm. whereas on the other side, we don't know exactly how that AI, what AI will do with that amount of data. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of scientists have no idea how deep learning really works and what deep learning is learning. Um, people are usually amazed about the results of that. So those two, two things is what we have to see and they cannot, without each other, we created a world that we cannot mm. manage anymore without technology. I think we, we created a world where we cannot even explain anymore because it becomes no. too complex. Yeah. And uh, when you think about, you know, it comes down even with the stock exchange, the stock exchange being controlled by computers yeah. in many, many sec sec yeah. seconds. Um, decisions where we, the human being is not even active anymore, it's reacting to it, being controlled. And that, I think, that is a complex, yeah. difficult part of it. Yeah, and it's a deep philosophical problem and that's, that's why I embrace, uh, in, in the age where we are now, uh, philosophy, because I think philosophers can help us to ask these questions, mm -hmm. to discuss these questions. What I also say in a company like Philips, if you are touching on AI, you have to touch also on the ethical consequences, yes. ethical aspects. You have to ask the questions. And even if you are 
really in research and, 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 and you are a scientist, you know, they don't see usually ethics as a science. And, and I don't care if it is a science or not a science, it is the way you, 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 you approach reality. What is the consequences of what we are creating? And how far can we go in that? Unless you say, well, this is just, and we as human beings, we are just intermediate. We are just, let's say, just a, a episode in the history of the universe. So we will extinct. And we will, or something else will take it over, like the dinosaurs uh, disappeared, you know. Maybe that is, I don't know, I don't have the answer, but um, you, everything that we are doing now, no, I can better say it, everything that you can think of can be made. So we also can find a solution for the complexity that we created. And a perfect example is when I just saw last week the iOS 12 came, coming out. I don't know if you watched the keynote from Apple, iOS 12, when you know, one of the features of the new operation <coughs> system is about monitoring your consumption. Yeah, oh yeah, all those kind of things. Yeah. You know, coming up with solutions for it, where we created the problem. Yeah. Addiction. And it's a very ex more on the consumer level side yeah. of things. And <coughs> this, is, this is also when we, of course, there's always a solution for any problem we're producing. But can these problems be prevented beforehand? That's the question. Uh, maybe. Uh, well. Okay, well, anyway, that's, that brings that's, us that's a new discussion. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, anyway. um, so, Paul, one, two questions I have still. So, what would be the title of the book? What? What would be the title of the book? So when the book is about you and, uh, and the life transitions you did uh, from the discovery part, um, or the applying and then um, rediscovering phase, I see, let's say, in the library. You still need to uh, tell me where I will find the book in the library, by the way. <laughs> what would I see as a title? On it? Will I be you? That, that came very spontaneous, actually. So, will I be you? Okay. Will I be you? Okay. Think about it, that if you are connected to the neocortex, the synthetic neocortex, can you distinguish? Are we still, are you still you and I still me? Or I? Interesting. Still I? Or will I be you, or will you be me? And um, so, where is, where are the, the the borders? Where are that brings you to the to the immediately to the question: What is identity? And I just wanted, world. I literally just wrote it down. Identity. <coughs> We're losing our identity. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. What so the definition will be understood under these kind of things is if we are going there and we are going there, um, we have to address these kind of questions. And okay. so my title would be: Will I will I be you? Will or I be will you? you be you? Or will and you what, be would I, what would I see on the cover, on the book cover? What is the book cover about? What picture <clears> is that picture? Is this? 
Um, because I see a lot of pictures right now. I mean, I just see this tile in front of me. I was like, "That's a good question. What would be?" Because the first image I had when you told me about this tile was uh, ET, the movie. This connection between human being and an uh, alien, or later on yeah, to yeah, the a yeah. robot. I. I would not think in entities or in things, you know, but more in. In, in something that is fluid, uh, because it changes all the time, I would I would use fluid material um, that changes forms all the time. You know, interesting. Depending on how the situation is, and so it's adapting, uh, it's going yeah, around the, con yeah. constantly. It was always in, in, it's it's never static. <coughs> so the only the only constant is change. The only constant is a change. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true, and this is sadly that for so many they struggle to adapt to change, yeah. which is difficult nowadays. Yeah. You you want to become comfortable, but change is the only variable which is um, right yeah. to focus on. Paul, where can I find more information, or where can the listeners find more information about you? <laughs> Online, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So where is it? I don't know. Yeah. I do a lot of presentations. People tape it. Sometimes they they uh, they, they post Is there a it. website? I'm, I'm, go to I'm, website no, for you. no. I'm 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 not so interested in that. You know, it's uh, um, what I love to do is to uh, to talk to people, to um, uh, to present, to, to give presentations, to have the discussions, mm -hmm. to build networks around me uh, of people who are open to have these discussions and. That is, I'm not interested in big masses, you know. I, I'm, I'm completely not interested in that. I'm just interested in the, the intimacy of people who understand uh, or who are open to help me to understand how the future will look like. And um, starting I, a discussion, what you Yeah, and, and, get, and, 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 and keep the discussion going, you know. And of mm -hmm. course, I know that, that, that the internet is... is the, the vehicle to, to use, and I, I, I certainly do that, but um, the human touch, the human, um, um, how do you call it? Um, um, Nahite. Um, Nahite, yes. Um, the closeness, the clo being close. Being close yeah, is, being. Is, is important, you know, yeah. to to have that discussion and online is is perfect uh, maybe the, the 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 next step will be in in virtual reality where you can meet each other on a more personal level even that you can even feel the warmth of people or the touch of people mm -hmm. in virtual reality that's a new way that people are developing at the moment and that's pretty far so but that's not my point my point is the discussion is the discourse, if you want, um, is the most important thing. And in this fast-changing world, we have to provide people with the tool set to discuss that, to be part of that, and not to be overwhelmed with it, but be part of it. Because if you are part of it, you can help to change it, or you can create it. You can create that future by being part of it. That's my thing. That's where I'm working on. That's my quest, if you will. And that's why I'm part of the uh, Singularity University, because that, 
community is growing exponentially and they are in the heart of what it is about. Mm-hmm. And they are best positioned to help us to understand what to do. Perfect. Right? And that's my existence at the moment. Brilliant. I couldn't finish that podcast better than this closing. Um, very inspiring. Very Thank inspiring, you. especially when, you know, when this whole topic for everyone who's listening is also very new exponential. You know, one year ago, actually, to be honest, I had to Google it. What is an exponential technology? Because AI and, you know, exponential. But what is actually exponential technology behind it? can be very complex when you don't understand what it is. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be complex. You just need to understand what, the, what it's all about. Um, and I think for everyone who's going listening, um, I think this isn't a topic worth talking about, not just now. It will be part of our life. Yeah. It, has it will to be, be part, part of our life. It's not just a nice little top, topic. You cannot step aside. You are part of it. And, and, and You're already part. Yeah. It's already part. As soon as you, as you uh, carry a phone, you're, you're part of it. Exactly. Simple. There you go. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for taking You're welcome. the time. And thank you for uh, inviting me and to talk, and uh, thank you for the questions and the discussion, yeah. the discussions that we had. Yeah, lovely. Got a good insight. Also, good insight that you are a soccer fan. Yeah, I'm very keen to know what you say about the upcoming football World Cup. Yeah, who is yeah. going yeah, to win? Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. So this was Paul Ebbing. You can find more about Paul Ebbing on his LinkedIn profile, all in the show notes. But if you're really interested in exponential technology, definitely worth checking out the website of the Singularity University and its offering. Maybe you find something in your city at www.su.org. All right, disrupt what you want to disrupt. Resistance is change. This mindset from Paul is needed in a fast-changing world. So folks, who else do you want to hear? Leave some comments. What do you like most from this podcast? Which chapters of other entrepreneurs, athletes, innovators, changemakers do you want to hear in the future? Let me know. Leave a comment or drop me a message on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at ByDanielLutwig. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. For the folks out there, just a quick update. In the next few weeks, all podcasts will be uploaded on my website with each recording split in highlights. You can call it quotes, which are a great summary of each long conversation. Like a summary for everyone to get a brief, inspiring and motivational boost while listening to the whole recording throughout the week. During the commute, at home or even during sport. At least that's what I usually do. Long podcasts are made for long-distance runs. Enduring sports, where a two-hour conversation is filled with a two-hour run. But of course, you can also apply this to a commute. Listening and learning from others while exercising. That's all about what I'm doing. All right, look forward to your replies on social media. Just never forget, never give up, always look up. i see you next time.